BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We're back from theballerlifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you for joining the show. Episode 314 of the show. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We're, we're, bust. we're just doing a bunch of movies right now because everyone in the world has a disease, I guess. Have you heard? There's a lot of people talking about it. It's like the only thing. You can't, and, and there's no sports on or anything. There's no like way to get away from people talking about this disease. And then the streets are empty like that, like that Will Smith movie where he has a dog. So shit's fun. <laughs> um, if, you, if you would like to reach out, do so via the email. Just, you know, talk about the stuff we talked about here. Um, we're happy to hear from you guys and what you guys think about the show's mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com is the email address and the voicemail line is 949-464-8257. Somebody hit me up to just today for the voicemail line. So uh, even though I say it every time, nearly, nearly every time. Uh, anyway, I am joined now as I am every week by Ed Daly. Ed, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? I, uh, today was the first day I didn't even go outside for a second. Really? Yeah, this is the first time I think ever. Yeah. Not one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit rainy, but usually, usually I just try to step out and get some air. I just didn't. I just didn't even. I, I haven't even. Uh, it's getting bad. I get you. I get you. I, I went I went to um, Costco because I needed stuff. And uh, and and I was like terrified to be out. Like I was like, oh, my God, yeah, what well, am I touching? I think the thing was yesterday I went out just for a quick uh, mission. Yeah, and you caught it while you were out. I I just felt like people were not respecting space, and I just – there's people on top of people in this town. It's (sighs) – I have a feeling after the (laughs) the new census, this will be the most densely populated Uh, town in America. It was like number three, but it's it's – They've just had nothing but new construction with bigger buildings in the last 10 years. So. Yeah, yeah, you're fucked. Um, and we, we can talk more about this, but let's first introduce our guest. Um, it's Caleb from the Turn That Off podcast. Well, both Ed and I have been a guest on his show. His now, his show's in hiatus, but he'll, he'll be back better than ever. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Bird Respector. He's one of my favorite follows. He's, a, he's an angry leftist like me. Uh, Caleb, what's up? How's it Thank going, you. guys? 
Hey, thanks for joining us. I, uh, now, yeah, change, those slip, you man. changed your uh, Twitter handle at some point, right? Uh, I mean, the at has been the same for probably about two years, but I change my display name every now and then. I don't know. I've had, I've had like a bunch of different accounts, and they keep getting banned because I just do dumb shit. And because <laughs> you know. when people change it, like sometimes I'm like, well, who's Am I following a bird-related yeah. account? And yeah. I read the tweets, and I was like, oh, it's not about birds. I thought it was like well, – <laughs> I thought it was just going to be like one of those random things that they only tweet about birds. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I had to like make the decision to to make that my avatar, the picture of the bird with the sunglasses, the cool bird, and keep it that way because if I ever change anything, and I'm the same way. People on you know like weird Twitter or whatever are constantly just shifting their names and stuff around. It's like who the who the fuck is this person? Has somebody been following for like nine years or something? You know, so you know, crazy times online. That's but, uh, that happened to me one time. I changed my picture and a bunch of people unfollowed me. I've had the same picture yeah, for like well, a decade. I turn, okay, I I changed my yeah. profile picture to a picture of me, and immediately I just was like hemorrhaging <laughs> followers. <laughs> Can't help but feel insulted on some level. A little bit. Stung. A little bit. It stung. <laughs> um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. It was about Twitter. Oh, so at one point, like a few weeks ago, I, I have this buddy. He and he's still a good guy, despite the fact that he loves the band Three Eleven. Oh yeah, dude. And, <laughs> and <laughs> oh yeah. And at one point, we were coming up on episode Three Eleven. Also, he texted me last night that I that I gave short shrift <laughs> to our episode Three Eleven. Yeah, I think that episode you announced it as Three Twelve. That was Three Twelve. I forgot that. Oh uh, man, a wasted opportunity. Totally. Twelves and no Three Eleven. So you guys really should have just done an episode about people named Amber, the color Amber, all right. kinds of things. <laughs> So we didn't we, we didn't respect three eleven, but as as I was uh, as I was cresting as we were approaching episode three eleven, I noticed that I had like thirty one hundred and nine or something uh, Twitter followers. I've had the same amount of Twitter followers since like two thousand nine. It never it yeah. fluctuates around five hundred different uh, five hundred up and down, and then. So my buddy's like, oh, we got to get you to 3111 because he's rolling to 311. He's like, oh, man, I can't wait to. And then ever since then, I lose like three or four followers apparently every single day. And he fucking texts me a screenshot and he's like, dude, what's going on? He's like, "You're what's what's happening here? We, we got to fix this. What are we doing? I'm like, I, I don't pay attention to it unless you text me. Did you tweet about it? Because, I, you know, I love you guys, but I might unfollow you if I knew that was what was going on. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, it's horrible. It's embarrassing. Uh, okay, so, I actually, yeah. when you asked me to come on the show, I almost w- was going to ask you to wait till I come on for episode three sixteen. John, John three sixteen. Well, Stone Cold three sixteen. Oh, yeah. that's a that's you a know, I that's got, a pro when wrestler. I was, when I was a kid, uh, I got um, I went to spring training. I li- the Orioles used to have their spring training in Miami, and I lived in Miami at the time. And I I brought baseball cards for these guys to sign, and I think it was Mike Flanagan. The entire card was covered with 316. Oh, shut up. <laughs> he gave me all the, like, the religious, you know, signing. I was like, I can't, I can barely see your name. He left a little space for a name, but he completely covered the whole card with 316 he, with like a Sharpie. He guyetted you? He, he guyetted me. Wow. <laughs> it was weird. That's fucked. Was he the one who killed himself? 
think Mike Flanagan might have killed himself. Oh, did he? Uh, anyway, we're, t- we're here. We're n- that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the 1988 post-Top Gun. For some reason, I thought this was before Top Gun. Tom Cruise, rock star, bartender, epic. <laughs> oh, I love it. Cocktail. As a, as a general... So was this the movie after? It was like right after. It must have been because this that was, was 86. one or two movies after Top Gun. Yeah. Now, I, I, this was supposed honestly, to be a big deal too. Like it grossed a shit ton of money, but yeah, it, just, it was, a big, was not good. I remember the buzz about it. I was like 11, right? In 87. So I, yeah. I was right in the time where you just saw Top Gun, you're amped. And I, don't, I, I think we didn't see it in the theaters. Was this R or I, I don't know. It had I to be R. It. But when it was on video, we immediately like got it from the store. We were so pumped to watch it. And I remember being like, well, at least we could see. Maybe we'll be able to see Elizabeth Shue naked. And you do get a little side. Side boob. Yeah, and back. Naked back. Yeah. I mean, look good. But that that was it. I remember being so confused because for an 11-year-old, it made no sense what these people were talking about. And then – Many years later, as a 44 year old, it makes less sense. (laughs) So I don't let's let's let me play the trailer and then we can talk about it. I was a bartender. Can he get his hands on any of it? This is the big. Oh, my God. Hold on. Start over. Start from the beginning. It's hard when you got to talk and control everything. Concentration of wealth in the world. Yes. But how was a bartender going to get his hands on any of it? This is the big time. Are you ready for the big time, young Mr. Flanagan? I think I can handle it. This isn't what I ordered. Get your act together. I want wine. All right. Now, what was it that you ordered? A martini. What's in that? Many ways to fool a customer. You will learn them all. Yes, Obi-Wan. You get the women, you get the bucks. You can see the color of their panties, and you know you've got talent. Stick with me, son, I'll make you a star. Stick with me, son. I'll make you a star? Hold on. Mm-hmm. Let her finish playing outside. I want you guys working for me. This is a real opportunity. Jet set bartender, right? The Caribbean Jamaica man. Can I buy a drink? My rum specialties, perhaps? Bartender with the line for everything. The bartender. Now, he's about to be swept off his feet. Should stay here forever. By the one thing he didn't expect. I'll tell me Brian Flanagan is in love. This lady's gonna do a number on you, mate. This is more than just a one-night stand. You made a move on her? I'm your friend, you dumbass! I don't have any friends! That's a mere life for sure! These sexy little smiles are not gonna work this time. What the hell is this? That's for you. $10,000? Is that all your daughter's worth? You think I'm letting some bartender walk into my family? I love you. I want to marry you. Throw this bum out of here! You're so hung up on money. See this? Jordan? This... It's how hung up on money I am. And as for the way I feel about you, <laughs> I need you to know. The 80s. 
just what fuck. What was that music for the trailer? I don't know. It's pretty sweet. The whole thing no. is just amazing. The whole soundtrack was good. Yeah, it's great. The viewer at home, if you're listening to that and you're thinking, well, that doesn't tell me anything because I just heard a series of sentence fragments and words and sounds. That's a, yes. That actually is a very good preparation for the movie. Yeah, so I, I was I was thinking I'd ask both of you, give me the pitch. What was the pitch for this movie? Like, like plot wise. Okay, I got it. Imagine a movie about just guys being dudes, dudes being bros. Except for it's just an ambling fever dream, <laughs> a series of images that make no sense, and that like half the time you're wondering who who's that character again, and why are they on the screen, and isn't that the other person, and it doesn't really make much sense, and then it just kind of ends and you wake up. Yes, that's, about right. Th- that's pretty close. Like almost borders on high art. The- but like we we we've recently, I mean, we did Red Dawn recently, and and I remember oh, thinking yeah. like this is the craziest movie ever, but it looks like a super tight script compared to this. It's re- like it makes perfect sense compared to this movie. It's really weird, and also you can tell the production was a mess, and they had to do reshoots because from scene to scene, Tom Cruise has different hair lengths. So for most of the scene, he for most of the movie he has short hair, and then they'll then they'll cut to the next scene, and he has long hair, and then they'll cut back to the and it's no time has gone by in the movie, and then he's back to short hair. It's the weirdest thing ever. So there there must have been there must have been a mess of production. There was obviously a lot of cocaine involved in the in the uh, conceiving of this movie uh cocktail if you're not familiar and the the green light green lighting aspect of this movie involved a lot of drugs for sure uh it's a 1988 american romantic comedy drama um hmm okay i I didn't there's not much comedy was there any any jokes (laughs) right anything yeah, Anything I loved it when I loved all the heartbreak and death in this movie. That was really funny to me. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, I don't the, know if we're doing spoilers or not yet, but no, it's yeah. fine. Uh, whereas the film tells the story of a young New York City business student, student Brian Flanagan, who takes up bartending in order to make ends meet. The film stars Tom Cruise, Brian Brown. Brian Brown had a yeah he had a run there in the eighties he was he, he was like a legit he like movie good. star he was like the only good thing about this movie it's like I would say the first act of this movie was almost serviceable simply because of him yeah and then it just fell apart uh, well I felt like I wrote down that the first twenty so the uh, they must have gone to Tom Cruise and they're like listen you know that um you know that volleyball scene. And Top Gun. What if we made the first half hour of this movie that volleyball scene? Like, <laughs> real, like, homoerotic, uh, just weird banter and high fives. It's just best friends being best friends, man. <laughs> what if we made a whole movie out of that volleyball scene in Top Gun? It's, it's, it's like, hey, we're coworkers and we've known each other for like four days, but now we're soulmates. Yeah. It's uh, just the whole thing is so weird. He, so he gets. Tom Cruise gets out of the army, right? And he's, but they really have to let you. First scene. The first scene made no sense. He's on the bus. A bunch of troops chased down the bus. Yeah. It feels like 20 minutes on that bus. The the long intro of like slowly going towards the city, but they're clearly stuck in Bayonne or something. You just see the city like, like it's this, 
you know, and you've never seen somebody more excited to be in Port Authority than Tom Cruise's <laughs> And he's talking to this kid. Yeah, he makes friends the with the baby. And I was thinking, and I kind of already had stopped paying attention for a second. I was like, wait, is this his kid? What What's going on? Anyway, he's just chatting up somebody's kid. Like, oh, we're getting to the big city. And also uh, future business partners. Remember, he's like, you and me, kid, we're going to take over this town. Yeah. It's like, maybe you shouldn't be that close to a school, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, it, the, the whole thing's weird. He's yeah. Why is he? Why is he holding someone else's kid? Why is he um, talking about his uh, aspirations to an eighteen-month-old kid? Um, he's he's that, and that's where it starts. So he just gets out of the army, and he's got you know kind of like a shortish haircut. And then the very next scene, he's out looking for a job and his hair's all long and shaggy. It's so weird. And he's looking for a job on Wall Street like Ed used to have. But they're, he like didn't go to college or anything. And they're like, no, you he, he sounds like Buster Bluth when he goes, I'm going to go to Army. And he, he doesn't he doesn't like have any specifics. He's just like uh, he sits across the desk from a guy. He's like, I would like a job in Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? So good. I love. He goes to Madison is- Avenue across the desk right. from some like advertising pervert and was like, "Look, I don't need to go to college. I can tell you everything that's wrong with commercials without going to yeah. school." And it's like, okay, it's man. great. And then he, so he looks for a job for one day, and then he's walking back from looking for a job, and he's like, "I know if this since this stockbroker thing's not working out for me, I'm just gonna go into this TGI Friday." days and get a fucking job like how shouldn't he have been beaten down a little bit more shouldn't there have been more happening what was the hit list on that on that interview thing because he he goes to wall street and then he goes well i'd like to get into advertising i would like copywriting yes pretty big pivot man you have a portfolio he's Um, like i'd like to be in the money business yeah what he and he, he look i i think College isn't for everybody, and it's not – it doesn't mean you need a degree to be something. But you can't show up with no anything. Yes. You can't – like you could be like, listen, I didn't go to college, but, you know, check out my artwork, and I think I could bring something to – as an art director, as like a junior and a creative department. He just showed up with nothing, no degree, no studying anything, no – no expertise on anything. He's like, I'd like to do advertising. I'd like to do Wall Street. Yeah, he was he was reading self help books, and he probably had listened to some Tony Robbins tapes, and he was really feeling his himself. Book was titled "How to Turn Your Idea into a Million Dollars." Yes. I, I wrote down the titles of all of his books, by the way, because they were all just elite. Yeah, they're and, great. And when he first gets into the city, he he gets off the subway, and so I, I immediately looked at it because I I. You know, I know most Manhattan subway stations, and then I didn't recognize it. Vernon Jackson stop, and I looked it up. That's in Flushing, which is where the Mets play. So you got the Mets and a bunch of muffler shops, and he goes into his uh, was his uncle's bar. Yeah, his uncle's bar. Yeah. Uncle's just, bar just who proudly gone after this scene. Yeah. yeah, his his uncle who proudly proclaims that he'll never give a buyback, not once. Yeah, that's is, that's just, just bad annoying. business. That's just crazy. Right. Uh, yeah, his his uncle owns a bar, but for some reason, instead of him just bartending at his uncle's bar, which it looks like he yeah. can use the help, because when when Tom Cruise shows up there, he's actually behind the bar. 
It's like it, also drinking, which is a huge alpha move. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's having a beer that his uncle charges him for, but it 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 looks like he works there. He has some familiarity with the place. Like maybe he could work there and st- while he looks for a job on Wall Street that he's not qualified for. But no, he just pops in to the nearest TGI Fridays. And I think back then TGI Fridays was hadn't grown to like the chain that it became. Well, that was his idea in business school. He wanted yeah, to like essentially right. invent Applebee's or right. whatever. <laughs> right. And then his professor, the snobby British guy, because of course his professor is British because immediately that just means he's smart, right? right. Professor Nigel is just like, well, that's just a stupid, terrible idea. Yeah, and actually, well, first of all, his professor was Mr. Bentley from the Jeffersons. Put some respect yes. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. And secondly, like all the ideas, like everyone's like, I want to I want to sell widgets, but I want them to cost a million dollars each. So I get rich. And like everyone's idea that he said was pretty dumb. And this guy's like, I and and Tom Cruise's idea was like, I want to franchise the New York City bar experience. And I was like. Oh, that's a pretty good idea. Like that, that, that'll probably go. You could yeah. probably do that. And he's like, stupid idea. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. That, the professor was working through some he shit. He gave Americans way too much credit. I guess this was the eighties. Things hadn't really turned out the way that they have, yeah. but he's just like, Oh, that's no one will want that. But you shouldn't, I, I don't know. I understand dreaming. I mean, this was so eighties because it was only about being rich. There was no other pursuit. That's uh, such an eighties thing too. And I love, I love the other, his classmate or whatever is like, Oh, such and so wants to be the Donald Trump of cookies. Like, what yeah. the fuck does that even mean? She What's wants that? to fuck the cookie. Yeah. I don't get that at all. <laughs> well, that, that would be like if you, you sold cookies and some would give people AIDS. And then Look at Nabisco. That cookie's tiny. Pathetic. Yeah. If you sold cookies and everybody that bought the cookies ended up suing you later. Right. So he, didn't, he, he had that one day, right? And then he didn't even bother. He didn't bother. When you said he, he applied at TGI Fridays, he didn't even give himself a chance to get back to flushing. Maybe he made a smart move. He's like, I'm not, I'm not bartending and fucking flushing. I'd rather be at a TGI Fridays in Manhattan. But then Brian Brown immediately starts ripping off Coughlin's law and, and doing all these. Oh uh, yeah. He's a, he's a real douche. Everybody's known this guy that's like knows everything. He's been around the block. He's fucking understands the world. He's like, you are in the seat of money, my man. This is where you want to be. And I'm like, dude, no offense, but you're 50. Like you're, you're, you're working at Fridays the same as Tom Cruise. What the fuck yeah. do you know? Okay, so that's the funniest thing. I thought he owned that bar, and then I didn't realize until like 40 minutes later when they're somehow they just decided to become best friends and work in another bar together yeah. that he yeah. didn't own the first bar. Yeah. And yeah. it never explains that. And until, this, you know. this, was, this was upsetting for me because I hadn't seen the movie since it came on video in like 88. I'd never seen the movie. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and well, I didn't remember much except for the side boobs. Yeah, um, yeah. But but uh, when he announced his name, I was like, oh, my God, please don't make his first name be Doug. My financial <laughs> advisor's, advisor's name is Doug Coughlin. Shut up. Yeah. And I've got to call in with him because, you know, my yeah. portfolio is not looking so yeah. good and I'm supposed to call him tomorrow. Yeah, times, so, um, times are hard. So and also. He's taught when he's starting to pepper him about the job or maybe his first night of the job. There are more bizarre orders. Oh, I'll have a, a velvet hammer and all these things. And yeah, I wonder these did, things don't did exist. Everyone did everyone order ridiculous things in the 80s or yeah. 
was this just for the movie? Well, no, because everyone was on so much coke in the 80s and it was like the go-go 80s. So everything you had to like show that you knew a new thing. So you're like, have you tried a buttery nipple? You know, it's like there's all these like different like colorful drinks and stuff. But how about what Coglin is fucking? He's like, you know how to make a red eye? And he's pours a beer and then he pours like tomato juice in it. And then he uh, he throws a couple aspirin in the fucking drink and then cracks a fucking egg, a raw egg into the drink. No one's ever ordered that. No one said, hey, give me that Dude, disgusting thing that you just rock. made. That, it's so good. Dude's rock. I love it. Yeah. And, and how about when that first night and the the, the woman gives uh, Cruz Flanagan her tip share, his tip share. And he's like, Oh, don't take it. Well, first of all, the whole point of working is so you make money. So like he was ashamed. And then he goes, the waitresses hate me. And Brian Brown, wait until you give him crabs. Then you'll know real (laughs) hatred. What? What? Oh my God! I think what? I missed that line. That that <laughs> moment right there was crabs. exactly the moment when I knew what kind of movie this was going to be. Like I was still kind of holding out that it was going to be like a thing. It's like, oh nope, this is just what this is. Got it. Also, why were all the waitresses forty-seven years old? Like, is that like a good uh, business model to bring to attract a younger crowd? They all had perms. They were all crazy old. And Tom, every day is Friday. They're just partying hard. They're they're, probably really 25, but they're just partying hard. Tom Tom Cruise, he works one shift. He sucks. And then it's it's the next day and Brian Brown, he gives him a lesson and immediately he's spinning bottles. He's reaching behind him and flinging, uh, flinging bottles of Smirnoff over to the other bartender. They're doing choreographed dance routines. He's been a fucking bartender for one shift. And all of a sudden right there for me, like therein lies the truest essence of this movie because it somehow manages to move like breakneck pace while also doing absolutely nothing at the same yeah. time. It's That's so right. impressive. They're in a rush to go nowhere. Yeah. And it's the, insane. And then do they get off work or something? I, I, I couldn't tell if it was like the middle of the day or late at night, but the um, like the Japanese chef has to come out and tell uh, Tom Cruise that he needs to go to class or something, and he he's going to drink a beer and – Brian Brown's like beer is for breakfast. Drink or be gone. Like is is yeah. that like really good advice to give your your newbie? Like he's he he just wants to sip a beer and you're trying to turn him into a fucking alcoholic. Is that going to make him a great employee? I thought that was kind of weird. Well, yeah. see, there you go. Just like you guys thought he was fifty, he actually was twenty four. But that's just the lifestyle <laughs> he's been living. <laughs> he's not. He's not a. Uh, he's not a great mentor. Um. But the, was this the time they they did get shit faced together? They yeah, they were and, just hanging out, being buds, and yep. they become best friends, Immediately. best friends of all time. Yeah, and they get out. So this is 1987. I, I get it. Times are, are different, but like. They immediately break into Big Bopper songs. They start singing Chantilly <laughs> yes, lyrics yes, to each other. They're singing and dancing. What? It's, I they really it. are, dude. Like, I'm singing like Boot Scoot Boogie and like holding hands, yes, just being yes. bros. And, and Brian Brown. And then goes, he falls down the stairs at some point, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he fell down the subway oh, the stairs right, right as they're singing that song. And Brian, 
Brian Brown tells him, well, you got to understand women get super impressed by a guy's ability to get shit faced. And I can tell you, I've, I've yet to meet a woman that's super impressed by getting shit faced. Um, that's actually, yeah, that's uh, some more really bad advice that he get gives him throughout this movie. Um, there's no, it's a, actually really good advice. It, nothing impresses a woman more than the first time you go over and stay over at her house. You have to have like five drinks just to go to sleep. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> drives them wild. <laughs> I noticed that, and you know, it was the eighties cause everybody's drinking MGD. We, in the 1980s, we had this this MGD perpetrated on us, and everyone was like, "It's no, it's like Miller, but it's like the high end Miller. It's like it's the best Miller. It's the worst fucking beer. I cannot believe I spent so much of my fucking high school years drinking MGD off a keg. There were so many other beers available, but we we Madison Avenue sold us this bill of goods that MGD was fucking good, and it's the shittiest yeah. beer." And I'll tell you what, I, I did, my, my buddy and I, maybe 10 years ago, did like a, we bought a whole bunch of random shitty six packs just to see like a taste test. Uh, it was before kids, so this yeah. was just a perfectly reasonable choice. Yes, of course. And uh, and uh, MDG came in last place. Like, I think uh, Miller Lite seemed like. Oh, Miller Lite beats the dog piss at MGD. Oh, for way sure. Way better. Yeah. But they, the whole point of the 80s was they were trying to tell us this was the high-end version. Yeah, it, it was it was like Terrible. Baller Miller, and it was fucking horrible. And then there's a lot of it, – it made me uncomfortable. It gave me anxiety because there's a lot of these two bartenders doing their soft shoe, uh, standing up on the bar. The hippie shake. Yeah, reading poems, singing songs, Flinging shakers at each other, and the the crowd in the bar is wrapped. They are yeah. f- they're loving it, and I'm like, doesn't somebody in there want? Not happen. I'm sorry. Doesn't somebody want a drink? More annoying than you want to order a drink, and the bartender is just talking to someone, and you get pissed off. You're like, all right, come on, just can you see me waving my arm? And these guys are reciting horrible poems. It's horrible. Yeah, it was like it was the ripoff of of Walt Whitman's "I Hear America Singing," but about bartending. (laughs) When that happened, I was screaming at my screen. I fucking hate Walt Whitman. First of all, second of all, that if there's one way you can make Walt Whitman worse, it's Tom Cruise making poetry about fucking bartending in the eighties. I honestly was gobsmacked. I never thought we'd get an anti Leaves of Grass. (laughs) That's that's the only Whitman I know doing cocktail. Um, I see America drinking. That's just the most dog shit, uh, god awful dialogue I've ever read before. These best friends are like brainstorming, and this is this is kind of like the moment when uh, Dirk Diggler. Yes, they they see a name in lights. They're like, uh, I I I have the bar name, and what's it called? Oh, uh, cocktails and dreams. Cocktails and dreams. Kind Great of name. like Robin Leach wrote that. <laughs> it's Champagne Wishes and Caviar Dreams. It's the worst name, and they must have realized it at the at the end. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil this movie for you, but one of them ends up owning a bar, and the bar is his name. But it, there's a neon sign in the window that says "Cocktails and Dreams." 
Like they, they didn't, they didn't go full boat and actually name the bar cocktails and dreams. But yeah, when, when they're, when they're, we'll uh, talk about that. Cause I got a real big bone to pick with that ending. For oh, I can't. Oh, oh, I, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I did like that, that, um, Coughlin's like, he's like, Brian, the bartender is the aristocrat of the working class, which is so nonsensical and fucking stupid. And, and right. Brian's like, oh yeah, of course, definitely. Like, he, wouldn't you just be like, what? Like, what, that what? doesn't even mean anything. What are you talking about? Yeah. The bartender is supposed to be the absolute opposite of that. The bartender is supposed to be the everyman, the guy who can yeah. connect with the rich guy, the poor guy, the bartender's like the friend yeah, of everybody. Yeah, he's your so buddy. That just sounds like one of those like dumb guy proverbs that you hear in like suburban sports bars that like, you know, I bartended at. That's the kind of shit that you hear there. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, um, uh, also, somebody comes up. This is when like, yeah. I didn't know this was a thing. Scouts started touring. So they yes. came to the season at Fridays. Scouts. Yeah, the, the bar scouts. Oh my God. What a time to be alive. <laughs> like you shouldn't be in this independent league. Right. We, we, <laughs> we need we, you in the big time. Yeah. We're I, getting, they're getting pulled up tonight. We, we need to hire you as a middle reliever. No, this is, this is a, uh, a, a dance club called cell block where all the dancers stop. So, so they can watch a bartender recite poetry. Yeah. He, he, he does uh, a 10 minute soliloquy on the bar and then he finishes yeah, and he finishes and he goes bars open. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. I've been trying to fucking order a vodka soda for 25 minutes. Well, you're, well, you're doing leaves of grass on, on the goddamn bar. What the fuck? Just pour drinks. I feel like if that happened today, if a bartender tried to do that, they would just get, they get like shit thrown in them or stabbed. You know what I mean? Well, that you, just is not totally grab his ankles when he's standing there. <laughs> yeah. 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 You definitely get concussed. Um, um One of the bright spots. Yeah. yeah, we do meet a bright spot yeah. right at that first night at the, uh, she's taking pictures, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the bright spots, Gina Gershon, she's like a photographer. She's like, uh, apparently bartenders get profiled in like Rolling Stone in, in this world in the eighties. So yeah. she just take a picture for when you become a celebrity. This alternate universe where everybody in the United States got kicked in the head by a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So she's she wants to take some shots of of Brian and uh, they end up hooking up and they go back to like her um, twenty five million dollar brownstone that she lives in. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like she must be right. She must be a very successful photographer. Um, He bangs her. And then like the next day or I don't might have been like a few days later. Um, there he shoot- no, it was the same day. It was He's the same like, day, right? This, this is my wife. Yeah. This is my wife yes. now, basically. Yeah, they're they're shooting hoops and uh, and Coglin's playing with a heater in his mouth. Yeah, he's smoking That's cigarettes. High degree of di- difficulty. <laughs> he's smoking cigarettes and wearing jeans. And Tom Cruise, I don't know what the effects budget was for Tom Cruise's no. jumper because my man didn't even it's like a shot put. Yeah, he was he was putting it, and also he wasn't even. The, it was bugging me because the fucking the laces on the ball were always the wrong direction when he'd go to shoot. But he, there's not yeah. laces. On. Well, whatever they're called, the seams. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I wrote down how many takes did they do because they do show scenes where Tom Cruise with that shot it goes in. 
which means they must have shot this 700 times. Yeah, he was he was banging them. He made like six in a row, 30 bucks each or something. Right. But I mean, that form. Horrible. You're, not, you're not better than an 8% shooter with that form. Who would win a game of horse? Tom Cruise, Michael J. Fox. Or Snipes and, and, and uh, White Men Can't Jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty bad, too. That, that shooting form was, was questionable. Michael J. Fox was better than Snipes in that. It was, it was bad. Um, it, yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, the So... Then they're like, he's like, look, I'm basically married to this chick now. She, we met last night. We fucked. She's my girlfriend. Doesn't, doesn't she already sit in on a pitch meeting where they move? Um, like they're all discussing the move to Jamaica, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's the one I think who like put the idea in his ear. You know what I mean? Because she was just like, oh, we're going to make so much money. It's like, wait, you've been on screen for like 47 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is this? It was a weird turn. And then Coglin's like, actually, he's like, I bet you'll be broken up by the end of the week. And she's, and he's like, all right, you're on. It's a bet. And then Coglin like bangs her. He's, he's making out with her at work. They're like the next day they're at work at the cell block and he's making out with her at the bar. Uh, what was in uh, it? What, so good. What was in so it for her? Was he he in the whole movie? He's like, you were supposed to be my friend, dumbass. As if like he thought that maybe he just forgot that you're not supposed to fuck your friends, like girlfriends or wives <laughs> yes. or whatever. Yeah. Like he just, he just, no, you idiot. You're supposed to be my friend. That's not what you do. It, it was did so he, fucking funny. Did Coglin? I, I wasn't sure if there was a scene we didn't know that he like tipped her off. This is what we're going to make this production. Or did he just whisper in your ear? Uh, he thinks there's no way you're going to have sex with another person this week. <laughs> and she's like, all right, I'll hook up with you. Like, what What happened? Yeah, what was the appeal for her? I don't get it. Like, Tom Cruise is the young, handsome she guy. She said, like, right, Tom I Cruise is the best-looking guy in the scene. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He. She said something to him, something about you should have kept your mouth shut about our love life or something like that. But it didn't make any sense. That's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like the ambling fever dream where it's just like it just jumped. Right. And like you were supposed to make their own reality with that. You just choose your own adventure as to why that happened. <laughs> and she's afraid of her honor considering she let it be known she wanted to fuck the guy within 20 seconds. But now she doesn't like anybody thinking she's a what like that she has sex. Yeah. it's oh. Yeah. It's crazy that like her he should. Yeah. He shouldn't kiss and tell or something. Anyway. It spurs his big move to the so yeah. apparently New, so New, good. New York is like the, immediate, yeah New, immediately cut to the what the, the the song that was produced for this movie Kokomo right With after John's right after Tom Cruise gets cucked they start playing Kokomo yeah. and yeah. I just just I'm in my room by myself and just busted up laughing yeah what the hell is happening right well right then, yeah then they like they like helicopter shot us into his beach bar and again what's the logic here they're like if you move to if you move to jamaica you can make three to four hundred bucks a day in tips and i'm like you're a fucking bartender in new york city like yeah. what, like in fucking manhattan dude right? what the fuck like i don't I, I get that manhattan is expensive but he could have probably just grinded it out in Flushing and made some real money in Manhattan. Yes, exactly. And it, yeah, I'm like, yeah, 100%. Right? Live, like, he had a place to stay. Yeah, he could live with the uncle. But it, he, he makes the move to Jamaica where he's serving rum drinks to uh, Brenda and Brandon Walsh's dad, Jim Walsh. Yeah. 
<laughs> I didn't even notice Jim Walsh you was did. in the scene. Oh, he's there, buddy. He's at the bar. I was the cop from Trading Places. I didn't know he was. Uh, man, I can't believe I missed Jim Walsh. Oh, um, I thought we'd be, so be able to bond over that. On the beach. Oh, there is. There's an emergency on the beach. Yeah, somebody got too what drunk. Oh, right. Call? <laughs> yeah, call the bartender. Yeah, call the bartender. Yeah. And then he's like, per- uh, "Champagne, uh, perfume going in, sewage coming out." What? <laughs> that's, that's that's how it usually works, man. <laughs> the literal definition of sewage. I love how like her whole thing was is she's just super fucking drunk, and he's like, "Oh, just give her Epicac to make her throw up because yeah. she's drunk." That's right. Like, so she's drunk. She'll throw up on her own. You know, let let God put it in God's hands. Right. And and really, I mean, I don't know how much time was supposed to pass, but this is like an expert Yoda of a bartender that maybe has been bartending for two years with all of the stuff going on. And he's he's the world's for, foremost expert. We know to call him if somebody gets drunk yeah. on the beat. Get the get the bartender over here. He'll know what to do. Um, then Liz, Lizzie Shue, a, a combination of things happens because Lizzie Shue shows up. She's he meets Lizzie Shue, and Bobby McFerrin starts playing. And I can oh, yeah. I cannot tell you what it was like to be 13 years old when this movie came back came out because Kokomo and Bobby Mc uh, Don't Worry Be Happy were probably the two most played songs of that summer. You could not escape those two songs they were everywhere right was this the same summer as karate kid 2 i think i I was was. gonna say these two and peter satara yes for your honor i am a man who will fight for your honor yes absolutely um so lizzie shu uh hats off to her i mean this she was at her absolute peak yes definitely at her best extremely attractive um, very hot. And she, her and her and Tom Cruise have a connection. Um, and they go, they seem to, seems like things are going well swimmingly. Like they go, they go on dates. They talk about their big plans. They're going to make, um, they're going to make those things that go on the end of your shoelaces. Um, you know, they're they, flugel binders. Flugel binders. Really annoying. Yes. Really I love annoying that. Scene. They've been around for like 150 years. And he's like, cool, man. But the guy who invented this is a freaking epic billionaire dude. It's like, they're called aglets, you fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> His brain is like the same size right. and smoothness as a peach. I can't even <laughs> believe it. And their first their first date, they also just like ride horses on a beach. Hey, let's Let's go ride yeah. horses. So you're Let's ride horses sword. and then like figure out things that already exist to invent. They do, they do like. Hey, what if we made an ashtray? They do like everything you could possibly do on an island in one date montage. So they ride horses on the beach. They swim out to a picturesque waterfall. They make out. They um, they they go to a beach bar. They have like a um, I don't know if there's a bonfire, but there's like a nighttime beach hang. Is that where he bangs her? Does he bang her on the beach? Well, did, no, but doesn't he bang her at the waterfall? I think it's it's just, maybe both. No, because she just lays on top of him non-sexually because she accidentally hits him in the mouth on the beach. They fuck at the waterfall, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's the waterfall. They fuck at the waterfall because she's because that's when we see we see part of the goods. Yeah, um, oh, yeah you get some side tip. Yep. And it's it's impressive, but man, I I I, I was very frustrated that that's what we got. Yeah, she she was something else back then. 
Um, but th- then who shows up that night at the bar? It's Co- Coglin's back. And he's had a come up. Who shows up? The, 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 the greatest line ever was right before that. So they're they're like in love and they're talking about having kids already. Yeah. And I, can't, I wrote down, but I don't know who said that. I, I think he said our kids would look great in dreadlocks like they were going to live down there. God. He said, our kids would look great yes. in dreadlocks. Yeah, there was some very cringy, like, Amon, like, uh, the whole, some like, Michael Scott shit going yeah, on. Yeah, the whole, like, Jamaican part was kind of tough to watch. Um, but Coglin shows up and he's at a come up. He's like, and they're like, I love it. They're like best buds again. Like, they were. Yeah. Well, he's just like the shark in Jaws, except for he's just swimming around. Instead of eating you, he fucks your girlfriend. Right. He can show up at any time. You just have to be on guard. Right. He's totally been fucked over. And then he shows up and he's kind of a douche. Like, it's like, well, I don't know that you would really uh, fall back under his spell if he, the last time you saw him, he fucked your girlfriend. You guys got in a fist fight. And then, and now he's shows up at your place of work to gloat about how rich he is now. And what a piece of shit bartender you are. And it was just like a weird thing, but then he's now he's married to Kelly Lynch. Who? Jesus. Like this is a a 13 year old. Brian Beckner was uh, very into everything. Kelly Lynch at the time. Um, Not much of an actress. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they had cue cards for her. Yeah. A little, I would say selling any of the lines, but when she later in the movie, when they're on the yacht and she comes down the stairs and she's got like the, um, like the, G it's like a one floss. Yeah. It's like a one piece, but it's, it's up the butt. Um, I, that was like, just, I, I'm glad I didn't see this movie when I was 13 because, uh, a a river of my cum would have filled the theater. Like that's one of those things that just shapes like your sexual identity for the rest of your life. Totally. See it at that time. Yeah. It would, it would have imprinted on me and I would not have been able to come back from that. But, uh, Coughlin's married Kelly Lynch and Kelly Lynch comes from money and Coughlin's like, I got my own place now i got my own bar um you got to come back and be my bar manager um you know he's like he's there to sort of make things right i guess with brian but then he's like i bet you couldn't fuck that old bag over there first (laughs) that's gonna derail your life right right. Uh, like what was like he met he met some chick he really liked and then because he was dared to he's like I guess I have to throw it all away for this yeah. old lady with a perm. Which, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but it does set up my favorite scene of the whole movie where he eventually talks to Elizabeth Shue about it. He's like, wait, it's not what it looks like. Let me explain. Let me explain <laughs> yeah. that. It's yeah. like, that's, that's he worse. Goes, it's actually much worse. You sit down a dare. Yes. You got to take it. What? Are we putting our tongue on the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, listen, babe, I just got to tell you, dude's rock. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was the logic was flawed. He said that line. A guy lays down a dare. You got to take it. And then you're thinking, well, maybe you can save this. And he goes, well, you were coming on too strong. What? What? That's yeah. that's plan to bring her back. Yeah, exactly. It was. Uh, but also we learn. So he blows it with her because she she sees him um, leave with this old uh, this old bag that he hooks up with 
with the perm and then she bounces she leaves jamaica because he goes to her place the next day and the and the previously drunk girl's like oh no she she got the last plane out last night or something and he's like oh that's kind of weird um and then eventually then everything moves to new york because he he the old lady bonnie um brings him back and he's she's gonna make him he's gonna the one that he hooked up with is that the one that they threw it all away for, or is this just a different woman? See, that's the you know, problem with this. He threw this. This is her. Okay. Yeah. This was where I put the note in. What exactly was the the story arc? Yeah. I mean, it's it, the movie is only an hour and forty nine minutes. It feels like five hours. Yeah. It's it's like Mad Libs. There's just they're taking turns every. Well, every, there's so many unnecessary characters. Like this movie should have had like one woman character and then like the the schism for the old lady maybe the older lady that's it not like seven or the whatever gershon, you know what i mean the gershon plot doesn't didn't need to be there I, I, it's i mean i was happy to see her but it was it was crazy okay yeah. quick and quick how so she's like a who is she a rich woman yeah that like brings him along to let's she's promising him some business job let's or? do let's do a quick how fucking old is this guy for bonnie The New York businesswoman that Tom Cruise hooks up with, clearly a much older woman. Uh, what are we going with? Your guesses, Caleb. Your guess. You're the guest here. How old is this fucking guy, Bonnie? Uh, we're talking the character or the, uh, the, the character. The character. Well, no, that same difference. What do you, what do you, who how, do you, how, what do you think she is? Yeah. How I'm, old going with around, I'm going with around 40. That's all I got. 40 years old. Okay. Yeah. Ed Daly. Yeah. I, I would have said like 46 or yep. something. I mean, she did have a good body. It's, she was, it's she 88, was dude. You don't, you can't tell. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. It's 88. That's, she could be 21 or she could be like 50. She I'll say 46 to 48. Yeah. I would have, I would have said she was obviously meant to be much older. Um, I would have guessed her. She was very fit, but she de- she definitely had kind of an old lady look. I would have guessed she was a she was a very fit forty six or forty seven. Bonnie, played by Lisa Baines, was born July 9th, nineteen fifty five. She would have been a sprightly thirty four years old when this movie came out. Ooh, wild people just. People looked old as fuck back then. What's, what's with that hair? Yeah, it was a, the yeah the perms. The perms were heavy. Um, speaking of that, do we do we want to guess how old Brian Brown was at the time? Coglin. He was fifty. He looked. Yeah, he, he was he was pushing fifty. He looked around he fifty, early fifties. He was born 1947, so that would have made him 42. Yeah, 47. It's 87. It was he was 40. Yeah, he was 40. I thought it was 89. It came out in 89 or 88. 88. So he would have been 41. Man, 
That's, he was younger than I am. He, he looked crazy old. This is just the 80s were a hard time. Uh, so what happens? He comes back. He's going to work for Bonnie, but it like doesn't he work. He gets in that fight. He gets in a fight with a sculptor at some highfalutin party. Yeah, he lights up some sculptor. I, I, it wasn't it, <laughs> that guy ruled, by the way. It wasn't clear, though. I, I, it was like she promised him that he was going to be something at her company. And then when he got yeah, when she he strung him along. Yeah. When he got there, she's like, actually, you have no experience. So maybe we get you in the mailroom for a while. And but yes, keep fucking me. But also like I'm not you're not I'm not making you vice president straight away. Now. That was a move in 80s movies. Yeah. Secret of My Success was the same thing. They're like, yeah, you'll get a job in New York City. Yeah, you're in the mailroom. Um, like, yeah. That's 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 what 80s movies did. You had to work your way up because they they promised, they overpromised and underdelivered. But when they get into the fight with after the sculptor, yeah. they're yelling. Yeah. And the movie marquee in the background is Casablanca. Like it's a Casablanca, like it's a normal thing. But just that movie's is playing in the theaters in 1988. Yeah, that's that is kind of weird. That what? I think that's pretty common though that they put like an old, you know, like an old like who's buying a ticket to go see Casablanca? They had videotapes in the 80s. Yeah, it, exactly. That, what people are showing up for that movie? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, so, so then what happened? Oh, so then Tom Cruise down on his luck. He finally, he could have reached out to, uh, Lizzie shoe at any time. What's, uh, Jordan. He could have reached out to Jordan at any time, but he waits till he breaks up with Bonnie. And then he goes to, but it couldn't have been long because she's not, you would know how many months. I mean, oh, she's right. Not- right. Yeah. And that, well, that's what's revealed. We learn that she's pregnant. She, she, but she's not showing pregnant. So right. she's still this is like, only like a couple months top. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would say even a few weeks. And then, yeah. then the, um, then she does that very eighties thing where she pours, um, soup all pasta. over. Uh, yeah. Soup and pasta. Yeah. All over his head. And, um, yeah. And she dumps something in his lap. Which is so good. He's like, oh, I wouldn't recommend ordering the special to yeah. those other people. So yeah. right there, it's like, oh, there's there's the comedy we were looking for. But, oh, it. maybe that was it. You found it. You yeah. found the joke. Yes. Right. The one joke. To me, what was funnier is not Caleb, the line so done, much as <laughs> <you've> <laughs> done she was spraying ketchup all over his dick. That to me was uh, that's the essence of true comedy. Yeah. Um, but now soup typically served hot. Yeah, that couldn't have felt great. Yeah. Th- I imagine that he was, uh, you know, he could have been badly injured by hot soup. It's, you know, not, not wasn't the nicest thing to do. Um, it, then he goes, so he's trying to work things out with Jordan. It doesn't um, really work. And then he goes to like a yacht party with uh, Coglin. And Cog, they're partying, and uh, he has to. He owes Coglin that very expensive bottle of Louis the Fourteenth cognac. So they go, and they're and they're way over pouring it. Like Coglin's really, really um, filling up his snifter, and then it's um, Tom Cruise has to give Kelly Lynch a ride back to their uh, apartment, and she tries to fuck him. And he he almost goes through with it. Well, I, at one point she's like, she's like, so tell me, Brian, 
what's your secret? And I expected him to be like, well, there's this, take a look. There's this, there's this book. It's called Dianetics. Have you heard of it? It's by L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, I've got a theory that humans evolved from clams. And, uh, yeah. This, this is how I don't believe in postpartum seven. depression. You're so glib, Kelly Lynch. Um, but he, he turns it down, which is he makes him a much stronger human being than I would have been. And then he goes back. And I'm going to I'm I need you guys to explain this to me. I'll tell you what I saw and you guys tell me what happened. He goes back to the yacht where he left Coglin. I don't know why it's morning. And he's like, I better go check on him or I got to go pick him up or whatever. He goes instead of taking him home the night before. For some reason, Right. he drives one of the couple home and not the other. He goes back and Coglin has he's dead. He's in a pool of blood. The, the bottle is broken in front of him. I'm assuming this is a suicide scene. Yeah. How did he do it? Was there a gun that I'm not aware of? What exactly happened? How did Coglin die? Because it was confusing to me. He brained himself with that bottle, dude. He did. He yeah, it was a, it was like a Bugs Bunny type of scene. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's not how like humans work. So he, his eyes popped out of his head. He's like ooga, and then he smashed himself. Like, yeah. Or did he did he like cut his own? Th- did he smash the bottle and like cut his own th- jugular or something? Because there was a lot of blood there. And again, was there was hoping, no wound. I was yeah. hoping because he he's talking to the cops. Like for a second after that. And it was just like a almost like a montage to show that he's, you know, the, the cops are taking him away. And I was hoping I'd forgotten how it ends. And I was thinking, oh, do they think maybe he did it? Because that's not how somebody would die of suicide. Right. It would have been much more interesting. And but then I was like, was it an act? I mean, I assume suicide, but you could assume accident that he was wasted. Maybe he falls over. Because well, the movie the went suicide, too long. Because he got he got the suicide or he got the the note the notes, later. That's right. right. There was a the movie. Definitely a suicide. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's just one of those. It's all you got to say is fever dream. It just it's, you, it, you know what happened, and you just kind of have to like make your own reality up after the fact. Yeah. The movie went too long, but I would have loved for the movie to take like three minutes more when he finds him and he's in the cabin. He's like, "Help!" And it's it's what is it? Like he's five on a fucking in the morning. Bull he's on the dock. No one's hearing you. No, no one can hear. Five in the morning. Yeah. I would like for him to scream help like twenty times, and then be like, "Oh, wait a second. There's nobody near this dock, and I gotta <laughs> yeah. go get help." And yeah, it would have taken a long time, but it would have been a, a like if it they're shows the whole thing in excruciating detail. Right. Of him if walking. they're saying if they're claiming it's a comedy, that would be a great comedic moment. He's like, <laughs> hey, wait a second. Nobody's listening to me. I gotta go get help. Uh, yeah, no, it was crazy. I wish they would have shown. I wish they would have shown him like running down the docks, like trying to wave somebody, a, a passerby down or something. Um, so and he loves running. In movies. Yeah, he does. So then he's intent goes back to Jordan. After right. He wants to get Jordan back. And he goes. I like how he goes through. He's like, Doug's dead. He's like, she's never even, like, she's seen him like once. I, Who's Doug? That was the first thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was, he was broken up. Oh my God. Doug. You mean the guy who showed up drunk and acted like an asshole to me on that beach bar? Yes, with the guy, guy who destroyed our relationship. Oh no! I actually, well, I was actually watching this movie with a friend of mine that owns this film on DVD, 
And I said, hey, do they even know each other? And they're like, yeah, they remember they met at that bar. And I'm like, oh, yeah, for like 30 seconds. Like it was a weird uh, it was a weird that he'd be like my best friend, Doug. And she she would be like, who? Uh, but he tries to get Jordan back. And um, her dad tries to buy him off. Right. Is Or has that already happened? But the dad buys him off, and this is this was something. The dad was like forewarned that he immediate is this just his go to move, or he's like, "Oh yeah, I heard about you. How much is it going to take for you to go away?" She probably ran back. You know, she was upset when she came back from Jamaica, and she's like, "Oh, this this guy. I thought we had something, but the bartender turned out to be a real shit." And that's all the dad should know about him. And he's like, I've been warned about you. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. I yeah, have a blank check with your name on it. It's like yeah. her, his daughter essentially had a one night stand. And the guy's trying to do the right thing. Right. He's like, I want to be in, you know, I'm, I want to take responsibility for what I, you know, what we created here. <laughs> like, wh- why would you be mad about that? You're no, get the fuck out of here. You're just a bartender. I'm not letting my daughter shack up with any bartender. You're after my money. And then, but then he doesn't yeah, take and you're the money. letting your daughter work at a shitty diner. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that until just now either. Like, wait, you're like a millionaire, maybe billionaire considering where they lived and shit. Yeah. And she's working in some diner. What the, what is that no, about? It's crazy. And then the, and then immediately in the next scene, they're getting married. <laughs> what happened in between? Well, yeah, on, they're not just he locked the door. Me. He locked the door on the security guard. Yeah. So they had all the time. Yeah, yeah that's right. And as they're leaving, I love he goes, it didn't have to be like this. Yeah. What are you talking what? about? We just met you a half hour ago. Yeah. What's happening? I love this part too, because yeah, then they are just immediately getting married. Uh in the bar that he owns, that like the yeah. whole point was he was gonna marry a rich woman to start a bar, and then he finds out that the woman he actually loves is rich, but eschews the money and somehow still ends up with the bar as right. if nothing happened. And it doesn't explain how or why, or it clearly was only a couple months later because she was still pregnant. Yeah, so the, he and the bar is thriving. Five grand. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so it tells me that the one scene they cut out is the dad's like, all right, fuck it. You can have my money. You yeah, know, he cut her off, but that that's the only way he could afford the bar. Is it the got, dad yeah, the dad, had, the dad had to, oh no, no, he says he got a loan, there's like voiceover, I, or he, I can't remember how it comes out, but he says he got the money from his uh, Uncle Pat, who never buys anybody a drink at his own bar. Somebody who doesn't give bar, barbacks doesn't give out like nice loans. $75,000 loans, yes, I agree. Um, so, what a stupid fucking movie! Yeah. Oh so overall, God. okay. Some some uh, here. Let's read some um, trivia from the movie. Actress Gina Gar- Gershon's. Uh, who cares about that? Um, the term. I'll say about Gina Gershon. Yeah. I, I made this note. Um. So when I saw movies like this, and I saw sex scenes before I was having sex. Yeah. There was so much rolling around. Yes. Yeah. So, and the first time I was with someone, yes. So, like, where are you going? Because I thought we were supposed to roll around. Oh, yeah. 
Just well, this is back in a time when the guy in the Quaker Oats box was in control in control of what you could put in movies. Yeah, and so like to simulate sex, you just like literally horse played under a sheet and yeah. rolled and tickled. They, and, and sadly, <laughs> the young me thought we were supposed to roll a little bit. Yeah, and uh, you're not supposed to roll. You're just supposed no. to have sex. At one point, doesn't his head pop out like from the bottom of the bed, like well past her feet? Yeah, it's it, like one of those cartoon brawls where there's a dust bowl and then like a head <laughs> yeah. out and like comes an arm. Out. Yeah, what what position yeah. is that exactly? I don't I don't know what he's kind of sex. Doing, like, he's just doing foot stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Maybe he's in defeat. So that's actually that's actually one of the trivia things on IMDb. Tom Cruise has such big foot. What did it say? Energy. It says actress Gina Gershon stated in a podcast interview that during their bed scene, Tom Cruise knew she was extremely ticklish and tickled her so hard they both fell off the bed. It was, in fact, the take used in the movie. Uh, the term for the flamboyant tending of bar by Brian Flanagan and Doug Coughlin is flare bartending, <laughs> which is an acrobatic bartending skill. <laughs> Flair bartending. John Bandy, household name, a flair bartender, trained Tom Cruise for the film. Well, that's how he got so good in a day. They didn't even give us like a karate kid, like a compilation of like him learning, like dropping bottles and having to like mop it up and shit. No, it was the next day. Yeah, no, no montage. Uh, The boxing match shown on television upon which Doug Coughlin has a $50 bet is a heavyweight bout between George Foreman and Ken Ken Norton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Shue's brother, Andrew Shue, can be briefly seen in the background during the wedding reception scene. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Robin Williams was considered for the role of Brian Flanagan. uh, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Williams had previously. Flanagan? (laughs) Too old for that. I know. That would have been great. Well, it would just be like two geriatrics having fun yeah. in the city doing yes. flare bartending. <laughs> uh, as as stated by our guest uh, Caleb, the correct name for the plastic bit on the end of shoelaces is an aglet, not a yeah. flugelbinder. The latter term was made up for the movie. Uh, you know, there's lots and lots of people that think the actual name is flugelbinder. So oh, you know yeah. exactly like what kind of dumb someone is if they call it that because that means that yes. they remembered that from this movie. Right, they're getting info from cocktail. Yes, <laughs> that's the worst right. kind of dumb. Um, Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, Ali Sheedy, Jodie Foster, Daryl Hannah, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Jennifer Jason Lee all were considered for the role of Jordan Mooney before Shoe was cast. Uh, I, I would say. Yep. I would say, Shoe. I think, I mean, maybe it's just because I think she's hot, but I think she did a good enough job. It was a terrible script, was terrible movie, story, yeah. Yeah. but she, I mean, she was fine. Like she, yeah, she was fine. Um, also, Heather Graham was offered the role of Jordan Mooney, but declined due to scheduling conflicts with license to drive. I bet she's regretting that probably a lot of sexual harassment no. by the Corys. <laughs> well, yeah, but she, that was where she, she became the hot chick. Yeah. Um, the film was made and released four years after its source novel of the same name by Haywood Gould. That's not a real name. Gould also penned the screenplay <laughs> and re- reportedly was unhappy with the uh, the final product. Um, the, the film is listed among the hundred most enjoyably bad movies ever made. I would agree with that. 
I was, it's, it's horrible, but I kind of liked watching it. Um, I was, I, I mean, it was very car crash, but yeah, I can guarantee you I'll never see this movie again. Oh, for sure. The only part that was like, okay, so I is, I agree. It was, it was absolute piece of shit, but it was like, I could laugh at this except Two parts made me mad was the aglet, and then when he started riffing on Walt Whitman, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't take. Oh it. yeah, well, just it's so it's so cringy that these guys are doing a bartender show show in front of like yeah. hundreds of thirsty patrons doing bartender slam poetry yes. the second time. Yeah, wait a second. Well, yeah. wait, I've, I just remembered the last scene. So he's talking about uh, his uh, baby to be. And yeah. he gives one of his <clears throat> shitty poems, and Horrible. he's like, if it's a boy, I'm not going to do the poem because I yeah. have no idea. But he's like, if it's a boy, he's going to inherit my strip mall bar chain. Yes. And if it's a girl, let's hope she's not a whore. That's <laughs> essentially what he said. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> what? If it's a daughter, uh, she will not become the first female CEO of Applebee's. That only happens if she's <laughs> yes. got a dick. But then he gets a catch-22. I don't know if you guys caught this, but she had twins. She's having twins. Right. Yeah, she, that's right. One of each. Yep. One of each. So those are the uh, a fun fact. Those are the the twins from the uh, the two thousand um, Coors Light commercial and twins. Oh and right, twins. yes. Um, the, oh man, uh, the man seen twice in Jamaica sitting at the bar. Oh, I lost my place. While Tom Cruise is t- tending is James Eckhouse, who is known. For playing the father of Brenda and Brandon on Beverly Hills 90210. I gotta say, I, I'm sad I didn't notice it, but I also will admit I was mostly listening to this movie. I I just, I would only look up to see if there was anybody good looking, but it was, it was not something I care. I mean... We're stuck inside right now. Yeah. And so we should have all the attention in the world, but this movie was not the one that I, I cared enough to watch. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I sort of agree. Um, there is a bar. Good, man. I put my phone away for this and everything. Yeah. I didn't even do the thing where I was halfway watching it. I watched it, but I'd never seen it before. Um, Molly Ringwald also turned down the, uh, the role of Jordan Mooney. Um, oh, they later made a show called Cocktails and Dreams, which starred in Australia, which starred three actors from Cocktail, including Brian Brown and, uh, Bonnie and Gina Gershon. What? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what it says in the trivia. Um, what? Oh, Jim Carrey and Charlie Sheen originally considered for the, uh, for the Tom Cruise role. I feel like it would have been quite a different, that would have been a much different movie. Yes. Jim Carrey was starting to, he was in that, uh, that vampire movie right around now. Um, once bitten, once bitten, Mm -hmm. but that, yeah, that movie I remember renting at the, uh, at Blockbuster. Because there were there were attractive women in that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, big fail here. Ted McGinley was considered for the role of Brian Flanagan originally. Wow, that would have been. I would definitely take Jefferson. Whole different, 
whole different movie. They basically, I think they just make this shit up because also Michael Keaton was considered for Tom Cruise's role. They've listed like everybody in Hollywood. But that, but that's like the writers like, hey, maybe we get Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's like, no, I tend to do good movies. Yeah. Except for Herbie Fully Loaded. Well, that's the thing is like, how do they say, well, what's the definition of who is considered? Like, you know what I mean? I've considered having sex with many women who would, would not share that same yeah. sentiment. So that's it was right. Yeah, it's so funny. I considered having sex with uh, Jennifer Lopez today. She just <laughs> didn't appear in my apartment. My unshowered. Uh, I'm still waiting suit. on a comment from her PR person. Really, it could happen. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, a Rod's just gonna start hearing Kokomo playing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that is that John Stamos on the drums? <laughs> <laughs> Not just the drums, the steel drums. Uh, what? Was he the steel drummer? So yeah, he, was, he did. He played steel drums in the music video for that. Cocktail was uh, a massive hit, in case anybody didn't know that. It was the made on a budget of around $20 million. Um, cumulative worldwide gross, $171 million. A just absolute. That's Jesus. Just, I mean, Tom Cruise was such, you know, they just caught lightning in a bottle because he'd just done Tom uh Top Gun. Yeah, I mean, it was a license to print money. It didn't yeah. have to be good at all. Yeah. One, one last point I'm just thinking about, that that uh, club cell block when they got recruited away from Friday. Yep, yep. Um, they did set the, the tone that the crowd here would be willing to put up with anything because they had some sort of uh, yuppie performer. Oh, before. yeah. Yes. What was that? What was that? He was also doing, like, spoken word Right, like, yes. like, kind of like a rap thing about being a yuppie. So they put up with that, then had to put yeah. up with poems before they could get their first drink. Yeah, I would literally never go to that bar. I would probably no. murder the bartender. No, this is before Yelp. Actually, people talk shit about Yelp, but that <laughs> no. wouldn't happen today. That's right. Crowdsourcing. <laughs> Zero uh, stars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't serve a drink for forty-five minutes because we had to hear poetry. Yeah, horrible. Um, okay, <laughs> anything, anything else to add? Caleb, your thoughts, your fantastic guest. Caleb from the Turn That Off podcast. Any, any, anything you'd like to add before we go? Um, you know, that last scene with the yuppie slam poetry doesn't exist in my brain, so I think like it's already starting to erase itself. Yeah. Uh, I don't have – and, I, you know, again, I did. I paid – attention to this didn't have my phone or anything so that's kind of worrying to me uh so no i don't think so um just an absolute train wreck of a movie but oh. it was fun you know thanks for having me on guys it was good yeah. good uh good to talk to you guys both it's been a bit yes yeah yeah no, it was very good um qu quickly i've we've i've discovered the reason for the different lengths of hair during the film the length of Tom Cruise's hair changes in different scenes. For the most part, his hair is cut short and tight to the head with no hair hanging off the back of his head. However, in a few select scenes, and quite a few, like almost every other scene, we see his hair is longer on top, somewhat styled differently. These were, most, away? these were most likely reshoots with Cruise at the time wearing his hairstyle for Rain Man. Uh, oh. Yes. Hmm. Uh, Ed Daly, anything you would like to add before we go? No, I think I think we said it all. Thank yeah. you for coming, Caleb. This just, was thanks, uh, this was fun, this although is, this is very one, confusing. I'm very confused how this got made. Yeah, this even is, with Tom Cruise. This is one of the most every script. 
This is one of the most fun movies we've done. I expected Red Dawn to be fun, and Red Dawn was fucking horrible. This uh, cocktail was horrible, but I kind of liked it. But Tom Cruise, like, after Top Gun, got every script in the world. Yeah, 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 he could. Yeah, I know. What? (laughs) It's crazy. It's actually crazy. This really, like, would have destroyed almost any other actor's career, how bad this was. I know. How how much it, like, just sucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a huge hit and a cult classic. Uh, okay, great job, guys. For Caleb Wilson, special guest for Ed Daly. My name is Brian Beckner. This has been episode three hundred thirteen. Is it three thirteen? He said fourteen. Yeah, I think it's fourteen. I think earlier. it's three fourteen. Three hundred. <laughs> as long as it's not three eleven. Somebody, somebody will correct me. Or three sixteen. Three hundred fourteen of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We will see you next week. Plus, you know there's Kate with a C, but she's known as Fancy Pop to you and me. Talking loud, commas, conundrums, my brothers. Reviewing some movies and shows and others. Top podcast, man, no one is above us. Five star, even the haters will love us. And we're not trying to talk politics a lot. We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot. Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top. Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot. Listen up, you players and shot callers, TV.